In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me is not my buddy from across the pond. He is out ghost hunting. I don't can't figure it out. I'm gonna shoot him, I think. Uh, we have a special guest today, though. We have the famous, and I do say famous because I met him yesterday, uh, the star of Haunting Evidence, Mr. Patrick Burns. Patrick, you there? How are you doing, Ron? So, figure this out. Richard's here last week and tries to talk to you, and you're not <laughs> here. And now you're here, and now Richard's not here. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's funny. You know why I got gray hair now? Yeah, I understand. I, I got gray hair myself. I uh, <laughs> it's it's like the, the the forces that be just don't want us to to, to connect together for, for some odd reason. You know, it's and, a good uh, who knows why. It, it's a good excuse to take up drinking, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> But anyways, I, I did have a great opportunity to, to uh, work with you a little bit uh, this past weekend, uh, once at uh, Spectral Evidence down in Salem, Massachusetts, and, of course, last night at the uh, Dining with the Dead at the Wyndham. And I, I have to admit, I, I was really, really impressed with you, Patrick, and I'm not saying that because you're, like, on the show now either. <laughs> Uh, the reason is, is that you're such a down-to-earth guy. I, I like that. I mean, I liked what you talked about as far as your theories and, and uh, you know, and that type of thing. And, and I found that refreshing, especially in this uh, industry we're in. Well, thank you very much, Ron. You know, I, 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 it means a lot to, to hear that. And uh, I like to think that I, I have kept myself grounded over the years. Um, you know, I certainly did not get into this field to be on, on television. And uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people that are uh, attracted to this, this arena, uh, so to speak, these days are, um, are kind of... Uh, uh, I think that's know, the only reason, for some of them. And uh, the, um, uh, you know, the... the, the, the um, Nice uh, to talk like me. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the the attraction for so many people, you know, I think is is to try and get famous, try to be on TV, and and uh, and try to um, you know try use this as their 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 springboard for their fifteen minutes of fame. I never got into this. 
for that. Uh, when I got into this over a decade ago, that was way before any of these TV shows were around. And, uh, you know, it just, um, it, it, it was never even in, in the back of my mind that I might be on a television program because of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it, it was sort of a, uh, a, um, a happy, uh, side effect. Uh, of what I was, uh, you know, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, a, a, a production crew was looking for a technically minded ghost hunter to round out the cast on haunting evidence. And, uh, I, I got picked. And, uh, you know, I, I like I said, uh, last night at Dining of the Dead, I was cynical every step of the way. I, I never thought that this was going to pan out into anything for me and that this was going to, uh, you know, even when I, I had been approached by the production company, I never thought that, that this was going to go to series and, and become the uh, the hit show that it was. Um, you know, I thought every step of the way, I was just waiting for the rug to get pulled out from underneath me. And, uh, you know, it, because as, as we both talked about last night at Dining of the Dead, you said that we, um, you know, we, we both have experienced this where you get approached by a production company and, uh, you know, 90, 95 to 99% of the time, nothing ever comes out of it. Um, so I was, I was very cynical every step of the way. And when we actually found out we were greenlit and going to series with the program, I was just like, are you kidding me? You know, it, it actually it took me a few days for it to really, really settle in and think, oh, my God, this is really happening. Um, right. So it was a, it was a great it was a great experience. Uh, you know, I I, I, tr- I cherish it. It's it's brought me just an unbelievable number of opportunities over the years to to go to events and, and meet people and, and and conduct investigations at locations that I I'm sure I would have never seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, for that I, uh, I I I'm eternally grateful to uh, the production company and, and to the network for for extending this opportunity to me. And, and the cool thing about your show, Patrick, is that it isn't just Scooby-Doo. I mean, it, no. you know, it, it, there's some meat and substance to it, which with so many two sh- shows out there now are just Scooby-Doo. Well, they are, and a, a lot of what what annoys me um, about these programs, these so-called reality TV shows, is the fake drama that they inject into these episodes, you know, where you got people that are, that are fighting back and forth and bickering with one another. Well, a camera is just so conveniently documenting the entire altercation right there. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen it. I'm, I'm a pretty good judge of character, and I can tell when people are acting. I think most people can, you know. But from what I understand, that's what people want to see. People, these programs have to have drama. We were able to sidestep that with haunting evidence because of the, the nature of the the cases that we profiled, uh, the, the drama was built into them. I mean, these these are real life horror stories you know, of uh, you know the, these brutal murders, these brutal crimes committed against these people. So that was that was the drama. The show had all the drama it needed just by the the, the dark nature of the cases that we were profiling. So. And that capacity, it was very different than a lot of the other programs um, that that people are familiar with out there on the air. And like you said, yes, it was less Scooby-Doo, less running around, ghost hunting. It was we had to be very serious um, about it because, you know, in in, in almost every uh, instance, we were working right alongside the family. And uh, even if we weren't working with them directly, of course, they were going to see the episodes when they aired. 
and we, we wanted to be respectful to to the families and and of course to the victims as well. You know, so uh, right. they, uh, that there was never really um, you know a uh, an opportunity to turn this into a, a circus or a, a you know a, a high wire act. It was the, the drama was built in there just by the dark nature of these cases. So in that re- in that respect, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't show you know. Uh, uh, bickering between the, the cast members on our show. Um, it was it was certainly uh, refreshing to not have to uh, you know not have to have uh, everybody's dirty dirty laundry aired on on camera. Right. Yeah, I, I can understand that totally. And the, the you know it was serious. I mean that people got so much into the ghost and uh well the the haunted house scooby doo stuff now that you don't realize that you know there is a serious side to the paranormal uh, it, you know we're talking about spirits people without bodies sure. and sure. uh and people lose track of that at times i think well i think they do and i i, I think a lot of the problem with a lot of these shows now is they're going into the demonology element um and you know they're they're really playing that up. Uh, John Zappas is a good friend of mine, and and he has said that true demonic possession is a very rare instance. He, he's only worked, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a small number of cases in the thirty or thirty plus years that he's been doing this. So he's you know he, he's he's an authority if anybody is alive right. today. On, on the whole demonology element. But, you know, some of these shows, it just seems like every other episode, there's a demon. There's a demon in every closet, you know, a, a turkey in every pot, a car in every driveway, and a demon in every closet. There you go. Uh, but, program. And, but uh, another thing, too, though, though I, I know I, I just sort of wanted to say that, yeah, th- this is true, but there are demons out there. Sure. And I know we've we have a, we've had a uh, couple of opportunities to uh, go along in our nexusism with the Catholic Church, and uh, I'm telling you that's that's not uh, you know that's not fake stuff. That stuff is real, and that's uh, it, that's the really scary stuff. Well, it is, um, but you know, fortunately, it is it is very rare, as, as John Zappas uh, you know confirmed to me. He said it, it is rare. Most of the time, there's a logical explanation. Most of the time, it's uh, it's probably a mental health issue, and this is this is the problem that I have with so many of these teams that are running out there and and th- tossing holy water around and thinking, oh, you have a demonic attachment. Mm-hmm. I think that's very irresponsible to immediately jump to that conclusion. I, I I really think, as an investigator, if we're truly trying to help people, you need to start off by saying, okay, have you? When was the last time you had a medical inspection by your doctor? And, you know, of course, this, this is, can be very difficult to bring up to a client. You know, uh, you don't want to say, well, I think you're crazy. Uh, get a clean bill of health from your doctor and then we'll talk. But essentially, you, this is something I, I think as investigators you need to do if you're working these, these private residence cases. Um, you know, because let's face it, it you, somebody might not even necessarily be crazy. They could have a brain tumor. Um, oh, absolutely! That, is, that is, is causing these hallucinations and these visions. It's not even a mental health issue at that point. It's a, it's just a a a, a, a regular generic early intervention. Oh, 
We're losing you, Patrick. Make, making making a, a quick recovery, a speedy recovery. Um, so I, you know, it, it, yes, while it can be difficult to approach a client like that, I think that's really where you need to start. You need to say, when was the last time you had a, a doctor's appointment? Um, you know, it, it, it's difficult to, to bring that up to somebody, but it's really what's got to be done. And only after uh, medical uh, causes of, of these situations can be rolled out, then should you start looking at other possible causes of, of the activity that these people are experiencing. That's just my I mean, well, if you're looking for demonic activity, but I think that you, you can still look at for paranormal activity without going through all of that particular uh, scenario. I mean, I, 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 I don't know how to say this, but... Uh, you know, sometimes that's separated. I mean, yes, it, that's another, as far as I, another, uh, uh, what's the word, symptom to look at. Yes, is, is there a problem here mentally or physically for the people living in the house? But you have to look at all the aspects. Of course. But I, I, what I'm talking about is if you have a single subject that, right. is, um, that is, is the only one in the house that's experiencing these things. That should be a red flag immediately. Okay, maybe maybe there's something underlying in this per, in this in this particular subject. Sure, it's possible that maybe they're the only ones that can see the activity or experience it going on. But I, to me, that would be a red or yellow flag that would be an indicator that something else might be might be at work there. Might be a play. If you have more than one person in the house that's experiencing these things, that the entire family is experiencing these things, then it's probably not not a medical issue for any one person at that point. And I, I think you can you can you can safely roll uh roll that out at that point. But um you know I, I, I just I'm very concerned at how many groups just immediately jump on the demonic uh entity bandwagon right. uh just 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 by default it seems. And, um, you know, you're, you're going in to help these people. That is your job. You, you truly have to be helping them, you know, not just don't just simply jump to the conclusion that it's a demon just because that's the cool thing. And you, you want your, your team to be uh, uh, experienced in dealing with demonic activity. You, you, you have to put your client first. Because they're the ones that ultimately that are, that are going to pay the price if your uh, diagnosis is Absolutely right. And the other interesting thing, Patrick, is that so so many people call themselves demonologists nowadays, and and you know I, I would be surprised if they ever ran into a demon how they would really handle it. Oh, uh, what what really experience have they had? What what you know really? You could talk about all the learning you want, but it really goes down to experience. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And this is where John Zaffis. Um, and a, a select few others in the paranormal um, where they, they trump everyone is that they have had experience working with these types of cases. There's no real way to, to I don't think, to really adequately, adequately be, be trained. You know, you can't just read a book and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to deal with it, whatever's coming my way, because every case is different. And the only thing that you can really say at that point that is, um, you know, is, is, is legitimate is somebody who is experienced, somebody who has been working these types of cases for a long time and has studied under somebody like John Zappas or exactly. enough experience. 
uh, uh, demonologist out there. So, I mean, you look at the exorcist for the Catholic Church. I mean, it, they're not just don't grab a guy and said, okay, you're an exorcist. exorcist. They have to uh, study under someone. They have to work with someone else before they're allowed to. They have to. I mean, there's a lot that's involved with it. Oh yeah, there, there, there's there's multiple levels. Um, an exorcism, I believe, has to be condoned by a bishop or yeah. a cardinal uh, uh, higher up within the church. Not something that they just just any priest can go out there and do. And the, and the Catholic Church is very methodal, method, methodical about it. They right. they they've only ever said. I, I think in 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 recorded history, there have only been a couple of dozen true demonic possessions that the, the, the Catholic Church has recognized and condo- condoned exorcisms to be performed on, the, the rite of exorcism. Um, it, it's a very rare thing, and the Catholic Church, of course, uh, looks at it from a, a very uh, um, logical perspective, and uh, they do view it as, first, first and foremost, as potentially being a possible mental health issue. A medical problem, right, exactly. Medical problem. Before they, 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 there there are certain criteria that they need to see met before they deem it to be a genuine case of demonic possession. Absolutely. But we also know that uh, just, uh, they've just changed the, well, not just, but a few years back, they changed the uh, uh, procedure uh, for exorcism, and they also increased the number of exorcists in the United States. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, there is stuff yeah. out there, but my, my point, I think, which irritates more, is that a lot of these people who do call themselves demonologists really... Uh, uh, just calling themselves that they, they really and, and you know I'm, I'm going to be a, be honest I'm, I'm going to be afraid what happens when they when they do run into something that's really really nasty. Well, this is this is the thing, Lon. I I always I I have never taken on a malevolent case. Um, not because I'm scared. Uh, it is because I am not experienced in that. I don't believe that I have been adequately trained. I'm not prepared to handle something like that. And any time I, I encounter a potentially malevolent case, I always pass it on to other people that are more experienced. Um, my good friend, Father Andrew Calder, is usually my, my go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has been for many, many years before he was featured on any of these programs, before I was cast on Haunting Evidence. Um, we're, we're going into the early, early, early part of the 2000s. Uh, he and I... Um, Back in the day, where uh, he maintained a paranormal research group out of Georgia, uh, which is where I lived at the time as well. When I, I founded Ghost Towns, we had, we had two of the, the two of the few paranormal research groups at the time uh, in the state of Georgia. Now, of course, everybody and their mother runs a paranormal research group, and it, it you know there's probably at the time I met Andrew, there were probably a handful. In the entire state, maybe maybe three or four, right, right. and now of course there's probably there's probably that many in each county of the state <laughs> at this point. So, um, but you know, I I've always I, I don't let my ego rule. I when I encounter a case that is potentially malevolent, I pass it along. Um, I have always been more interested in the historical hauntings, the the, the hauntings where there's a long history of activity going on in the location and, and the the the, uh, the ghosts the spirits that inhabit a location are 
are deemed to be friendly and uh, you know not not out to cause any any uh, any harm to anyone. So those are the cases that I have traditionally um, focused on and, and only only investigated a, a couple of uh, private residence cases, um, may, maybe two or three over all the years that I've done this. I, I, I traditionally I, I pass pass those on to people that have more experience in that in that arena. Right. One of the, the, the worst cases, one of the nastiest cases that we ever had was a house in Connecticut. That sounds familiar. Uh, uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, there was there was all kinds of conditions involved in this house with, uh, you know, uh, disturbed children as far as uh, drawings on the walls and stuff. We, we had children that were sexually abused by their ex-father. We had, uh, you know, animals that were dying, and it was a nasty little uh, scenario. And uh, we went in, went in there first to basically see if there was really anything paranormal going on, uh, you know, or was this another condition. And, uh, yeah, it, I think in in reality, because of all the stuff, the, uh, it was a combination of the two. But we ended up uh, handing that case over to uh, someone else to finish it up on it because yeah. uh, because it was just, like, too nasty. You were in over your head, yeah. Yeah, well, it's not. Uh, it, there was a lot of reasons. One of them was because of the the distance involved in it, and the other they really needed. But, anyways, I mean, that's that's something I believe we each each of us should decide. Uh, yeah. I know that there's a uh, a friend of mine who was with a, a ghost hunting group, and this group would go into the medicine cabinet of the client, which I found horrible. Yes, I understand that you want to find the medical conditions, but uh, what's wrong with asking them why would you do that that's a total breach of, that's like going through their drawers that's a total breach of uh absolutely breach of client yeah client confidentiality that's a breach of their privacy absolutely absolutely um, that's the thing this this field um really people need to put the ego on the shelf and leave it at home and uh and and be there not for themselves not for their own glory they need to be there for the client if that's truly what they're, if they're truly interested in helping people, then they need to be concerned with with helping people and not not what you know what it's going to do for them, for their their career, for their uh, their notoriety. You know, you're you're there to help people, help them, and, and don't worry about how uh, how cool this is going to look on video and, and and documenting this and using it to launch your 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 next TV show. Yeah, they, you just have to be very, very careful, and uh, and put the client first. I, I've known groups that actually have made fun of their clients because of certain problems they've had. I mean, that oh, to sure. me, that's horrid. Why are they even doing this? Yeah, sure. Well, this is this is the uh, the unfortunate side effect of ghost hunting being so popular now through the explosion of all these TV shows. Now everybody, you know, there's a lot of people that think. Just because they they own every episode of of uh, Ghost Hunters and Paranormal State on DVD, that they're suddenly that makes them qualified to to go and investigate and conduct these investigations. And you know that's the um, that's the the, the the sad state of of the uh, the field right now. What I think is going to happen eventually, um, you know, eventually I think that the TV programs. At some point in the future, it will kind of dry up, and you'll see fewer and fewer of them on TV because 
it'll no longer be interesting for most people to watch. And when that happens, a lot of these groups that formed uh, are going to start to go away. You're going to start. You're going to see a, a balloon effect. Everything is going to kind of pop all at once, and uh, the aftermath that'll be left over are the people that are truly concerned about helping people in this, and not just trying to use it as a springboard to get on the next uh, TV show out there. So, right, because you know the TV will run its course. I mean, just like, you know, back in when I was growing up, it was Westerns that were running it. And, you know, now there sure. seems to be, a, you know, there, there were other ones, too, different uh, phases along the way, reality shows, and uh, now the ghost hunting. And uh, even there, there were army ones. That did, but they all ran their course, and, and it's, people will get tired of them eventually, and there won't be the the, the uh, 30 minutes of fame or 15 minutes of fame associated with sure. the, the thing. And you, you're going to have people drop off because of it. I agree. I agree. And uh, in, in, in a lot of ways, that might be a good thing for the field. Yeah. Not so good for the events, though. <laughs> no, no. True, true that. <laughs> but anyways, Patrick, uh, I know we're coming up to the, the break, but uh, you also mentioned something else which I found really interesting, too, uh, last night at the Dining with the Dead, is that you said that we're no experts in the field, and I, I think you were spot on with that yourself. Um, there are some people who are more knowledgeable than other people in the field, and, right. and you mentioned quite a few in, in, in your, your uh, little recitation there, like, you know, the John Zaffis, for instance, and the uh, yourself and uh, uh, Andrew Calder and uh, I, you know those they're not experts but they are more knowledgeable I, I don't believe they're experience. experience in the field they're experienced that, exactly. that thing is, is, is the only you can't really accumulate expertise in this field because everything keeps changing um, but the only thing you can say is that you you have experience and when you've had enough experience working enough cases you can say well, we've experienced this type of activity in the past. We've seen this under other similar similar situation as this, and that's about the only only uh, authority really that anybody has in the field is just experience. And the only the only way to accumulate experience is over time, working more cases, learning as much as you can. Uh, I believe working with other investigators. Um, you know, uh, working under different circumstances to see how they conduct investigations um, is is how you gain experience in this. And um, you know, it's 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 very much a a field where seniority does rule. And uh, you know, the, the more experience you have you have doing these types of things, um, I guess that's the only way that you can really uh, you know say that you have an, any type of quote unquote authority in the field is just, you know, basically by showing the resume, you know, how many, what, what exactly. you've done in the past, what your accomplishments right. are. But we're also, at least I agree, that it's important that we do have new people in the field, too, because they also offer fresh thoughts and fresh ideas, which is important, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's face it, we all were new at one point in time to this, you know, that there, there are so many people out there that you know, want to shun the, the newcomers to the field. Um, but as, as you said, that is, uh, that's the breath of fresh air that you really need in any field. You, you need to bring young blood in that, uh, that, that thinks outside of the box and thinks in terms of different, different 
different types of uh, um, ideas and, and concepts and, uh, you know, uh, basically someone who's not cheated by, you know, uh, conducting investigations uh, in one All day. Right. You want to hold that thought, Patrick? Because we have to take a break right now. You want to listen to Ghost Chronicles International. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Parrax family. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com. Happy Halloween! <laughs> to Ghost Chronicles International with Ron Kolick and my special guest is Pat Tripper, Patrick Burns on Tokinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel and Beyond. If you have any questions, you can log into the Tokinet chat room or the Pararex chat room and let us know. Or you can call at 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869. And you can also see Patrick tonight at the uh, Circles of the Wisdom in uh, Andover, Massachusetts. He will be featured in my paranormal study group, which I run uh, monthly there. so I'm really excited about that, too. But uh, there is some spots if you'd like to come on down uh, and see us. So there you go. Speaking about that, Patrick, what do you got coming up? Uh, well, we're yep, we're doing your, your paranormal study group tonight. Um, and then tomorrow begins my whirlwind tour of the country for the next uh, week and a half. Uh, I'm literally going to be jetting from coast to coast. Uh, doing college speaking engagements. I've got oh, uh, seven, gi- seven gigs coming up over the span of seven nights. Um, and, yeah, literally I'm, I'm in one location doing an investigation, flying out to my next location the next morning, doing a presentation there. Uh, and this goes on, this, this insanity goes on for seven days, and um, uh, that, that'll take me right up to Halloween. Uh, the 31st. And, and where uh, are you spending that? Uh, well, here's the thing. We, we, we have an event that we have scheduled in Florida, in Ocala, Florida, mm-hmm. at the Seven Sisters Inn. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, look, looking forward to uh, to doing that event. Yeah, uh, Seven Sisters in um, <clears throat> closed a couple of years ago, uh, about a year and a half ago, I believe, and uh, is under new management now. And uh, the the group that owns uh, the the house that purchased it is getting ready to open it up to do events at it. So we're we're kind of getting uh, into um, uh, the, the grand reopening of the Seven Sisters Inn. So we're, we're really excited about that. Oh, that should and be a then, blast. Uh, I'm sorry? That should be a blast. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We really are. Uh, we have uh, an event in uh, Baltimore, Maryland the weekend after, and then we are rolling the rig west. We're actually going to head out to California in the RV. Uh, for, for your listeners that aren't aware, uh, my girlfriend, Paranormal author Marley Gibson and I live out of an RV, a Class A RV motorhome, full time. Uh, so we we travel to these different events and uh, conduct investigations along the way, and just lead lead kind of a uh, paranormal dream lifestyle. Uh, that so, uh, I'm sure. So is that the ghost town mobile? Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's kind of uh, our our traveling lab and uh, paranormal lab and. Uh, uh, you know, as our home as well. We uh, we travel, but uh, you know the thing gets absolutely horrible gas mileage. So when when we take it someplace, we have to uh, we have to justify uh, you know being able to to spend the gas to get there. And uh, if we go someplace, if we're going out to the West Coast. Um, it only makes sense for us to hang out there for a few months because the gas it, gasoline is so expensive. So we're going to be rolling the rig out there uh, middle of November. And uh, uh, we're going to actually hang out on the left coast for the winter, and we'll probably be there, I believe, until about March. So we're going to be there for about four or five months and uh, just hanging out, doing events, and uh, we'll be heading back east in March. So we've, we've kind of got our next next six months of our lives are kind of planned out for us, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, it's a very exciting lifestyle to be able to you know, hang your hat anywhere you want. Um, right. Really I, I, think really it's, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I really do. Um, you know, I I know that uh, we're pretty busy, but we're always limited by uh, you know the travel distance. I mean, you know, we're doing the uh, spectral events again this uh, Saturday in Salem, and then on the thirtieth we're at the Inn Magnolia in Gloucester, which has never been investigated before, and that's going to be a blast because we got a full sit down meal, and then we're going to do a little uh, lecture and then uh, a talk or whatever you want to call it, and we're going to investigate the Inn, and then we're going to. Uh, Oh, we're gonna uh, tape. We're gonna tape the time walk dance from Rock a Horror Picture Show from everybody that's there. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll end up with a midnight seance. So that's that's gonna be fun too. And then in uh, November, November tenth, I have my first college gig. So I'm I'm psyched about that as well. Well, good for you. Good luck on that. Yeah, hopefully that'll, but, that'll work out well for you. Yeah, and now Patrick, if you do, you have a website. I noticed we haven't mentioned that at all. So yeah, yeah, we, we do have a website. Uh, Patrick-Burns.com is my website, um, and then uh, Haunted Highways, Haunted-Highways.com, is uh, Marley's uh, website along with me, and that's where um, people will be able to keep track of our, our travels, where we're going, where we've been and uh, what we're doing out on the road. Uh, so we're really excited with that. We're getting ready to launch that website um, in the next few days here. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But, um, yeah, we're, uh, 
or easy to find online. Just if, if you can't remember, just plug my name into Google, and I think I'm the first or second link that pops up, Patrick. Excellent. Barnett. We should uh, actually we should have you linked on our board site. If you send that to our webmaster, she will link it on there. Uh, I don't do it; awesome. otherwise, I would do it myself. But uh, awesome. yeah, we should be linked on there. Uh, we have. Okay. A lot of the cool people. But anyways, uh, you know what's interesting? I was just sitting here thinking. Uh, when I was on WCCM, uh, Terrestrial Radio, uh, there was a, a, a couple of guys that uh, rode their bikes across the country. And uh, they did this for, uh, I forget which charity it was. It might have been MS. I'm not really sure. But uh, And then they used to report in every every uh week uh that that might be a cool thing for you is when you get uh, to a city is to let us know where you are and what you're up to Absolutely. just you know just a five minute or so thing just to let people know what, what you're up to and everything it's definitely in the works we're, we we've actually uh, we're we're planning to do a kind of a vodcast weekly vodcast with Marlon and I sitting down probably around a campfire someplace and explaining where we are and what we're doing and where we're going and uh um, definitely, people will be able to to live uh, 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 through us uh, vicariously uh, through you. Vicariously <laughs> through us, absolutely. <laughs> but that's it's all really cool stuff. But anyways, um, we we had you had uh, you do take infrared photography, which I, I we always never get to talk about very much. And I've seen some of your shots of, for instance, the uh, some of the haunted locations you've been, and they're, they're absolutely phenomenal. How did you get into photography, where, you know, especially as, as good as it is? And, I mean, were you a photographer in your, in your past life? Uh, well, that's, thank you very much, first off, for the, the kind compliments of the um, – of my my work, I appreciate that very much. Um, I uh, I never was um, schooled in photography. Um, I was never formally trained. Um, the way I got into this, I, now I had seen infrared photographs for years, and of course we know that there there's a lot of infrared photography that's done for um, uh, um, uh, you know, for, for paranormal investigation, and that was sort of where where this all sort of came out. Um, Haunting Evidence, the the production company, they gave me a little bit of an equipment budget to work with the first year, uh, the first season that we filmed, or the second season rather. They said, you know, make yourself a wish list, and I at the top of the list, I said, well, I know you're probably not going to wait want to pay ten thousand dollars for a thermal imaging camera. So right. The next best thing, in in my opinion, would be. Uh, to get a digital SLR camera and have it modified so that I can shoot uh, infrared still photos from it, uh, which they did. They they ended up getting a, a camera modified, and uh, they asked me if I wanted to borrow it. Uh, we had concluded filming uh, at a location. We wrapped the shoot, and uh, our, our producer uh, asked me if I wanted to borrow it and take it home for a, a few weeks, and I said, sure. And uh, took it uh, with me. Now, like I said, I'd, I'd seen photos in infrared uh, that others had done, and uh, decided to go down to uh, the, the local cemetery in Atlanta called Oakland Cemetery. It's a huge cemetery, very pretty, very ornate. And I uh, started taking photos, and uh, just sort of realized that I seemed to have a knack for this. I showed. Some, some examples of my work to friends and family, and people were like, oh, my gosh, these need to be hanging in a gallery someplace. And uh, so at that point, I, I just uh, 
sort of decided to pursue this as a profession, even though I have no formal training. Um, you know, I, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing. So people, people ask me all the time if I'll, I'll teach them uh, about infrared photography, and I'm like, you probably know more about photography than I do. Uh, you know, I just, I just seem to have a natural knack for it, and it's not something that I can really teach. But uh, I do enjoy doing it uh, immensely. I've, I've got literally tens of thousands of photos that I've taken over the last several years. Um, and uh, just I, I just need to make time for myself to sort through them and, uh, and get them posted on my website because there's just, there's just an overwhelming, overwhelming number of, of these images that I have out there that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, just waiting for the right time to sit down and, and get them posted up on my website. Now, can um, they purchase? It, it, can, can people purchase them from your website? They can absolutely. The website is uh, it's actually a different website. Patrick-Burns.com is my professional website for my contact information for my media um, uh, uh, jobs and, and and so on and so forth. But my gallery is actually Patrick-Burns.net is where my online gallery is. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take want to, want to uh, uh, take a peep at some of my my uh, infrared work. They can go to my gallery, patrick-burns.com, and uh, and and see some of my some of my work there. Yeah, that's that's cool stuff. We actually have to take a, a bit of a break right now. We have a a, a, a uh, not an episode, but a uh, segment that we it's uh, called Beyond Bizarre, and we'd like to let that run right now. Six feet lower than most. In 2008, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Louis and Gerald Garzone, two brothers who owned and operated a funeral home, were found guilty of selling corpses to a black market trafficker of body parts. The gruesome duo admitted to carving up nearly 250 bodies and shipping the parts across the country for various purposes, including dental implants, hip and knee replacements, and other medical procedures. In an elaborate and grisly scheme, the brothers would sell the bodies or body parts to a man named Michael Mastromarino, who ran the company Biomedical Tissue Services. Mastromarino would collect bodies from several funeral homes in the New York and New Jersey area. He would send a crew to cut up the bodies and then transport the parts to various biomedical facilities at a hefty price. Tissue from a single body could be sold for as much as $4,000. The selling of bodies for medical purposes itself is not illegal, provided the family and or the deceased have consented and the body has been tested and certified to be free of disease. Most of the bodies sold by the Garzones and Master Marino were given false names and documentation, received no medical testing, and in some cases had not been stored or refrigerated properly. A terrifying tale of terror from Barla Ventura's Beyond Bazaar, available now wherever books are sold. Now that's bizarre. But it goes it goes to show you I'm worth more dead than I am alive. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh yeah, she she's amazing. She has all these little tidbits that uh 
it's it's pretty cool stuff. I like it. So that's a regular feature of our show. So uh, tune in next week for another one. So there you go. Uh, so Patrick, uh, you are doing the Paranormal Study Group tonight, and I think you're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the instruments and equipment we used in the field because uh, and the proper way to use it too, which I think is important. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll go over some of the uh, techniques and uh, methods uh, that that have worked for me in the past, and uh, we'll we'll discuss that tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. The problem is that there is so much uh, misinformation in the in the field right now, and I don't know if it's because of. Uh, Lack of training. I mean, I remember uh, on my Facebook page, somebody said, uh, okay, I got a Class A EVP, and uh, the the video camera picked it up, too, and we all heard it. And anybody who really knows that an EVP is not heard with the ear. It's, uh, you know, it's something that the white noise is absolutely manipulated by the spirit on the recorder itself, the, the true definition of it. Sure. So, yeah. So somebody just mixed up a you know an audible sound with uh, an EVP, which is totally different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, EVP is is some of my favorite uh, evidence. The most compelling. It's also the most reliable. Uh, seems like you go into a location, you're going to get at least one EVP out of it when you go in. Uh, at least that's my experience. I've I've had a. Uh, I've been doing this for a number of years, and EVP is just, it, it, if there's anything that's reliable in this field or semi-reliable, it would be EVP uh, right. for myself. And we talked a little bit of yesterday about EVP and uh, people who, for instance, do it all the time. And, and the, the ones that are really good and they get a lot of EVP, it, it, sometimes they go in and when they go into a haunted location, I, I wonder, you know, I, I said this yesterday, whether they're bringing their own gang with them and are they really pick up the spirit there at, at the location. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's a great, that's a great analogy. And uh, I, I think it is true. Uh, good friends of ours, uh, Mark and Debbie Constantino are kind of viewed as being, uh, uh, you know, very good authorities on on doing EVP work, and they get EVP everywhere they go. They could be doing a session in the, uh, uh, the parking lot at a at a strip mall, and they would get EVP. And I do right. wonder that as well. I do wonder if um, they don't have a, uh, a a a a posse, so to speak, that right. follows that comes along with them, that tags along with them, and uh, you know. I mean, it's still, nonetheless, it's spirit that's communicating to them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I'm not saying uh, that. I'm just saying that may, they may not, may not, Yeah, may not have anything to do with the particular location they're at. Right. Another cool thing that we, we talked about is, is you actually do EVPs with the phone, which I found fascinating. Yeah, I've, I've got a BlackBerry. I think it's a model 8350, and uh, uh, it has, I, I, I use the voice recording function, that is built into the phone, and it's uh, um, very interesting in that it's uh, it was sort of born out of necessity. I was at an event in uh, Fresno, California, uh, about a year and a half ago, and I uh, I didn't I wanted to do a quick EVP session as I was being led around the property in the day, and uh, went into the ba- uh, the back of this property where there was an abandoned mine shaft, and I wanted to do an EVP. Uh, session within the mine, and uh, 
realized I didn't have my DVR with me. I didn't feel like walking all the way back to the car and getting it and coming all the way back. And I realized I had my BlackBerry smartphone with me. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. There, there is a voice recording function built into the BlackBerry. And I said, great, you know, let's, let's give this a test. Let's see if it actually works. And lo and behold, the first recording I did, I got a, a faint EVP on it. So I started trying again. I did another one. I got another EVP. And uh, I, I think I did about five or six sessions there, and I had, uh, I had an EVP, at least one EVP in every recording session that I had. And uh, I found that this has been very reliable for me doing investigations. I, I seem to get to pick up these EVPs. Um, uh, with about an 80 to 90 percent success rate at this point, so it works for, works very well for me, and I haven't felt need to use any other type of uh, digital recorder since I've been working with it. No, that's interesting. That's the the typical uh, you know necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, totally. We we have a question from the uh, Pararex chat room, so let me except it just died on us. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. We lost the chat room. Here we go. <laughs> lost Tojinet chat room, lost Parrot chat room. All right. But anyways, the the question, if I mean, do you mean that uh, spirits follow you around? I think they were talking about how we were saying about EVPs and, uh, you know, how they might be getting uh, people that follow them. And, and I kind of, we, we kind of agree that they do, right, that spirits, some spirits, and and why is that you know any difference than you know for instance mediums or who believe in spirit guides i mean those are basically spirits as well too would that be basically the same absolutely yeah i'm trying to get back into the chat let's see if i got that question but anyways (laughs) i was wondering where we were going with this i'm kind of I'm telling you, it's it's been. Is there a full moon or something? I don't know. I lost both the chat rooms all at once. It's, so it's like yeah. not. Maybe but, Mercury's uh, in retrograde or something. I don't know. Again, yes, yes. And Mercury's, as far as I'm concerned, is always in met- retrograde when you're dealing with the paranormal, anyways. Of course. But uh, anything else that you would like to add that I haven't mentioned? Yeah, um, I've actually. Uh, um, I know that you've, you've written a couple of books, and congratulations on those. Thank uh, you. Molly and I uh, uh, co-wrote together a book called The Other Side, A Teen's Guide to Ghost Hunting oh, right, and right. Paranormal, um, which we have available. Uh, we'll have uh, a few copies at uh, your study group this evening. If ever, anybody coming by wants to pick one up, we'll be more uh-huh. than happy to sign it. Uh, it's also available on, on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, um, if your your favorite brick and mortar bookstore doesn't have it in stock, they can certainly special order it for you. Um, it's a quick read. I think it's less than a hundred pages, and it's um, again, it was built. It, the, the book was conceived as a companion to Marley Gibson's uh, young adult series, The Ghost Huntress. Uh, they kind of wanted to her, her agent and Marley uh, coined this idea to um, conduct a uh, to actually. Um, uh, write a book, a companion to her series called The Ghost Huntress, uh, a nonfiction companion, kind of show kids how to respectfully do this, how to do this the right way. Um, and, uh, you know, because, of course, there are many, many books out there on ghost hunting, but there's really nothing aimed at a younger audience. 
Right. Uh, I, I mean, novice. It doesn't even have to be for a younger audience. I, I bought the book myself, uh, Last Spectral Evidence, and I, yeah, I found it interesting. This is very true. The, the book, the information that is contained within the book applies to anybody who's conducting an investigation. But it's written with a, 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 um, um, a teenage slant, and it's also, it also stresses responsibility uh, to kids because, you know, a lot of kids out there probably see – uh, some of these TV shows, and they're like, "Woohoo! Let's grab a camera and, and a recorder, and let's let's run off the, tonight to the nearest cemetery, you know, without, without even really understanding what they're doing, without understanding that there there is, uh, you know, there, there there are there's criteria that we we uh, uh, subject ourselves to when we investigate. You know, we, we have to be ethical, we have to be respectful when we're doing our work, and um, you know that this is what we stressed over and over again in the book. But as far as the techniques uh, to conduct investigation and uh, the history that is within the book, uh, definitely applies to anybody—a ghost hunter or a would-be ghost hunter of, of all ages. Mm-hmm. And I just got back into the PowerX chat room, and I found the question, which was, "You mean some people can be EVP magnets? What draws ghosts to someone?" And you want to answer that? Well, um, I think there there are definitely uh, a number of factors. I think, first off, if you open yourself up to communicating with them, uh, I think that you're, you're going to find that spirit tends to uh, congregate around you. Uh, the perfect example was the, uh, the movie with uh, Patrick Swayze, Ghost. Uh, if you remember, Whoopi Goldberg uh, was this, it started out that she she was trying to scam people. She was working as a as a uh, as a fake psychic, right? Um, in in, uh, in in the film, and it turns out that she actually was gifted. She actually had the ability to communicate with the dead. And once it became apparent to the spirit world that this woman was a channel, was a medium. Uh, of course, they all started to flock around her. And there was a scene in the movie where literally the the, the spirits are lined up. There's, right. there's, the line is going out the door of these spirits that are waiting to communicate through Whoopi Goldberg's character. Um, I think that, you know, definitely once you, if you put yourself out there and you, once, you know, spirit, spirit realizes that you're sincere about this and you're truly trying to help people and you're trying to, trying to establish communication and, and you want to help them, they will tend to to focus on you, and you will be more received, more more readily received, I think, by by the other well, other side. If spirits exist, of course, um, <laughs> if, if that's what we're actually dealing with, I have to have to have to get the, the skeptical angle. Yeah, in after talk, a whole right? hour yeah. of show, we throw that in there. If it's rare, it's yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of course making making broad assumptions here that we are communicating with spirits, but I. You know, for for the sake of conversation, we'll 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 stick with that. We'll keep keep moving along that angle. But um, it's you know, I, I think that if you put yourself out there and make yourself available as a conduit for spirits to communicate through, I think you're going to get more results, and you're going to find that spirit will actually seek you out. Right. to communicate with you. Yeah, I think this is definitely the case with Mark and Debbie Constantino. It seems to be the case with uh, Marley and, and me as well. 
I was going to say that. Anybody who works in the field and does it long enough, it becomes the way. We were talking last night at the Dining with the Dead, and and I mentioned that many times we'll go on investigation, and and we won't have ghosts associated with the place or or people of there or anything. They're they're what I call and I coined is uh, street ghosts, ghosts that come in because someone's trying to uh, contact them. Yeah, tag-along, street ghosts. I I I I refer to them typically as a transient spirit. That's a good uh, one. Is a, it's a spirit that's earthbound, but is not confined to a single location. And I I, I really find um, it it odd to think that a a ghost, again, if they exist, a ghost can only haunt or inhabit a single location. I don't think that's you know. Necessarily, uh, it doesn't seem to make sense to me why somebody would be imprisoned to a single location. I think if a ghost stays in the location, I, I think they probably all have the ability to go any place at will, but they, mm. they may congregate around locations that were familiar to them in life. Um, you know, say the house that they lived in. This is what they know. This is what they're familiar with. Well, that's, that's interesting, Pat. I would, uh, Patrick, I would agree with you normally, but I, I know of a couple instances that seems they are almost landlocked, whether it's for a fear or something, maybe another reason. But I remember a tortilla, sure. tortilla Flats in uh, uh, Merrimack, New Hampshire, which was a restaurant, but it's two houses that are combined. And we did an investigation. And of course, you know I work with Maureen, who's a transmedium. And there was a nasty spirit in there, and uh, he was all over her. But when, as soon as we left the house, it did not go with us. It didn't follow us. It sure. couldn't follow us. And, and the well, same. I think, you know, maybe maybe they maybe they become, maybe they become prisoners within their own mind. Maybe it is that's possible. Yeah, it it, it is a uh, you know they're they're locked to that location by their own doing. You know, maybe they believe that they they can't go anywhere else, or maybe it's like uh, 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 the movie uh, Beetlejuice, where uh, <laughs> they step outside the front door and there's a gigantic uh, sandworm that's coming to devour them. Who that knows? could happen. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out one of these days, don't we? We will. We will. And uh, all right, Patrick. I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the uh, show, and I really appreciate you. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, Richard missed you as much as uh, you missed him last week. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I'm 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 sad that I, I didn't get to speak with uh, with Richard this week, but uh, you know I'm always uh, uh, eager eager to, to do your show. And uh, you know if you guys want to have me on again in the next few few weeks, uh, we'll try and. Uh, Make it happen then. Right. We, oh, what, one quick uh, comment from the Parex chat room. And they said, sure. uh, if that was true, then how many men would be haunting the play, the Playboy Mansion if they could? <laughs> I've said that many times during my presentations. I've said, you know, if, if, if I have a, a, a choice of where I'm, I'm going to haunt, haunt when I die, uh, the Playboy Mansion, I guess, would be right up there. So It, it is haunted, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it does. We watched a train wreck of a TV show last night called The Girls Next Door, which is uh, based around uh, Hugh Hefner's three or four uh, 20-something girlfriends. And I was like, okay, that's just wrong. He's okay. enough to be these, these girls' grandfather. <laughs> well, Patrick, we will see you tonight, and it's time to wrap it up. 
So it's uh, thank you once again. Say hello to Molly for us and Patrick Burns. Good night and God bless everyone. Thanks, Bob. From ghoulies to ghosties. Everyday autism miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have